This is Stacey Hillier and you are listening to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. Hey listeners, you are about to listen to our new Worship Reformation series with special guest Joel Field. We hope you enjoy. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're continuing our conversation on Davidic worship. Wow, I sounded like a real podcaster then. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So we talked about this at length in the last episode, but we're going to wrap up our conversation on this foundational concept of Davidic worship today. Davidic worship. Davidic worship. Nailed it. So Joel, David was known as a man after God's own heart. He's described as that in Acts 13, 22, and also in 1 Samuel 13. And God is forming a people after his own heart once again. What does it even mean to be a man or a woman after God's own heart? And what does this change about how we approach corporate and personal worship? Well, I think we see um, Jesus talk about this We talked about in the last episode as well uh, in John chapter 4 where he's talking to the Samaritan woman at the well and they're having this argument, as it were, <laughs> about, uh, I don't know how you argue with Jesus, but um, she gave it a red hot go. I have um, several times too. <laughs> <laughs> this morning. Um, but she, uh, yeah, they're talking about worshipping him and uh, he then drops this profound statement that the Father is looking for a certain kind of worship which tells us that there's a certain kind of worship that he's not looking for as well. And so, uh, but the type of worship that he's looking for is worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. And so what does that mean to worship in spirit and in truth? Um, I I believe that, and I've heard it being taught that to worship in spirit means that I'm partnering with the Holy Spirit in worship. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate worship leader because he's, his entire role is to reveal Jesus to us. And so uh, the Spirit is the opposite of what is material and earthly. Um, and so to worship in spirit means it's a spiritual activity. Uh, that's profound. Um, but uh, it means that I'm not, uh, you know, I'm leaving behind earthly things and motives and w- ways and means that I might normally engage in. Let so, me interrupt you. Yeah, feel because free. Because it is profound. Mm-hmm. Because people think of worship in the soul realm. Yes. Mind, will and emotions. Right. And our soul realm can worship, but worship is not to fulfil and fuel the soul realm of emotions. That's great. It is deep calling to deep. It is spirit to spirit. Continue. Amazing. Just affirming uh, how profound you are. That's great. <laughs> so it means like what the, what Jesus was talking to this this woman at the well. He was he was talking about you know living water uh, versus this uh, earthly water that she was trying to get. And so to worship in the spirit means that I'm no longer f- trying to fill the cistern of my soul mm-hmm. with external temporal water, mm-hmm. but now thanks to the work of the cross and as I put my faith in Jesus, I'm a new creation and I'm filled with the Spirit of God. That's Jesus said in another place mm-hmm. that um, out of our bellies, out of our mm-hmm. spirit will flow rivers of living water. And so now out of my heart, out of my inner being, uh, the essence of my being flows this river of living water. Mm-hmm. So that's worshiping in spirit. Yeah. Worshiping in truth means that nothing is hidden. Mm-hmm. 
you know, David was a man uh, after God's own heart, a worshiper after God's, God's own heart because he didn't keep anything hidden. Um, and it didn't mean that he didn't make mistakes, right? He sure did. <laughs> he made some big ones. He did. But it just meant that he was an open book before the Lord. Uh, you know, Psalm 139, one of my favorite Psalms, search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me. And so worshiping in truth, I mean, I always used to think about it as like you just know the right things. Mm -hmm. Like if you know the right word and the right scriptures and everything like that, that's worshiping in truth. But it's not only about having a right understanding of of God and his word, but it's about the truth of his word shining in our darkest places and bringing us into freedom. Mm. It means there's no duplicity. Yeah, <laughs> uh, It's not like, okay, well, I'm one way when I'm worshiping mm -hmm. in a corporate space, but I'm a completely right. different as soon as I step mm -hmm. off stage. It's, it's, it's worshiping in truth. Nothing is hidden. Again, we we keep referring back to the Garden of Eden. But Adam and Eve were clothed with the glory of God. Mm. There was nothing hidden. They were naked but not ashamed. Mm. Um, and they had this face-to-face -face intimacy with the Father um, because they were in truth. Um, and mm. so, you know, what does that mean for us in, I guess, how we approach corporate worship in spirit and in truth? It means that first and foremost, my primary role is to partner with the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. in revealing Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, I, I wonder how many times, or I'd hate to think of the amount of times that I have not partnered with the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus, but rather I've gotten in the way. Yep. Uh, that instead of uh, being a mirror that can reflect the glory of God, mm. I've, I've taken the glory for myself or I've created set lists or chosen songs in a way that serve me as opposed to revealing more of who Jesus is. And then uh, the amount of times that I wouldn't have worshipped in truth because I haven't invited the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to actually shine a light on the spaces, the deepest, darkest spaces of my life that actually need uh, His, the lightness of His Word. Yeah the brightness of who he is to shine on those places so that I can worship in freedom. And so, yeah, that's, there's some things of, of why David was a, a, worship, a worshiper, a man after God's own heart and what that means for us today. Yeah, and it's a cycle because the more time you spend in God's presence, the more your heart becomes his heart yes. and the more your desires become his desires. So he was a man after God's own heart because he desired what God desired. Yes. Their hearts were one, which is such a beautiful thing. So let's have a look at a couple of scriptures, Joel. Let's have a look at Psalm 27.4, one of our favourites. So this is a psalm of David. And he says, in Psalm 27.4, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And David is stating here his desire to look at the beauty of the Lord and to talk with him, to inquire with him. So he's talking about this face-to-face -face intimacy. David was fascinated by the beauty realm. Now, David's life goal, which we've referred to, or David's vow in uh, the previous episode was Psalm 132, Verses 1 to 5, which most people will tell us that Solomon, who actually ended up building God's house, and his father David gave him the blueprints for that. So Solomon wrote, Remember, O Lord, in David's favour, 
all the hardships he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Here's his vow. I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. So we've talked about the fact we've been living with, I guess, a similar ache for a period of time now that we don't want people to have to come through us to go to the Father. We don't want to create platforms for ourselves. We don't want to be leading emotionalism. We want to enter into the spirit and truth worship. We want to be part of creating a resting place for the Lord. So maybe if we could talk about how has the ache actually felt for you? And we've touched on this, but I think that this is going to be helpful for people to think about this and how do we steward this burden well? Yeah, the ache has been real um, because uh, I think even at times I would go as far to say that I felt it physically, yep. not just in a spiritual sense. And so, again, we have asked questions in the ache of what's the invitation in, in that ache? What is he inviting us into? Because otherwise we end up um, taking that ache and resenting the ache or resenting why the ache's not being fulfilled. And you look at the life of David even, he didn't get to see the ultimate fulfillment of his ache. So he had this desire to build a rest in place and then God ultimately said no. Mm. So even though he was a man after God's own heart and he had this incredible revelation that we've talked about, he didn't actually get to build the fulfillment um, that was left you know, for his son Solomon to build. And so all that he could do was leave the blueprint mm-hmm. um, that he he never got to actually observe it for himself. So even what how he would have had to handle that, mm-hmm. the disappointment of that or mm-hmm. the longing that was unfulfilled in his life to actually see that in its greatest fulfilment is, is something that we can learn from and observe. And I think the the... You know, the Lord's been talking to me even recently about endurance. Mm. You know, how Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. In a world that's constantly pulling us in different directions, where distractions abound, there's a powerful invitation waiting for you. Introducing Stacey Hillier's brand new e-course, Living Face to Face, an Intimate Life with Jesus. Go on a transformative journey to deepen your connection with Jesus and become more like Him. Dive into timeless teachings, guided practices, and soul-stirring reflections as you follow along with the video content and your free workbook. Access this life-changing course by visiting www.stacyhillier.com. Your invitation to experience the eternal joy of living face-to-face with Jesus starts now. So even in suffering, there can be a joy. Mm -hmm. So even in aching, there can be a joy for what's ahead. I might not be able to see it right now, but there's endurance. And, you know, in Hebrews, it talks about endurance as well, um, that uh, we need to actually endure these things Mm -hmm. in order that we might see the promise fulfilled as well. And so there's something to be learned in that as well of like, okay, God, I feel like this is a God-given ache. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're giving me this ache. What's the purpose of it? What's the invitation that you're actually uh, inviting me to partake in in this? Um, and just asking God for wisdom mm. and discernment and patience. 
yeah. for endurance. I think the beautiful thing that David did do, and I mean, Psalm 132, Solomon writes this, remember all the hardships mm. that my father endured. So David did endure. But I think the beautiful thing is 1 Chronicles 22 actually tells us why David mm-hmm. um, was unable. 2 Samuel doesn't describe why God said you can't actually be the one that builds the house, has to be your son. But 1 Chronicles 22 tells us because he shed too much blood and was in too many wars. And this is why Solomon was to build it. But David's response even in that was to live out Psalm 27 for. Yes. He heard this and, it, and it, the ache he would have felt he went straight to the presence. Mm -hmm. And the amount of times we see this in David's life, even after um, he was with Bathsheba, had her her husband killed, and then he's fasting and he's praying for this baby to live. The baby dies. He goes straight to the presence. He's living out my one thing, even in my sin and my fallenness and living in my consequences. When I'm enduring hardship, when I'm feeling this ache and I I get told I'm not going to live in the fulfilment of it because what, I've been a good king Mm -hmm. and gone to war, done what I need to do for my nation. Exactly. Uh, What does he do? Every time he goes and he gazes at the beauty of the Lord and he inquires of him in his temple. So we see not does David just talk about what his desire is, he actually puts action behind it. And I think that that's something that I want to encourage people who are listening today and you've got this ache, what are you doing with the ache? And we talked about this in the last episode, but the reason David was a man after God's own heart is because what he did when he was enduring, what he did when he sinned, what he did when he wasn't going to get to fulfill the ache was worship, worship, worship. He got into the presence every single time. And this is why God was like, I can trust this. This is a heart I can trust. So you want to build me a house? Now I'm going to build you a house. And their hearts were mirrors. It was like David would declare something to the Lord and then the Lord would declare it back to him. Mm -hmm. David would covenant something to God and God would covenant back to David. It was incredible because this is the fulfilment of that scripture. He will give you the desires of your heart because their desires were one. Yep. (laughs) Yes. Having a Chuck Parry moment. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to finish up this topic of Davidic worship. Is there anything you want to say on it finally that you feel like people need to hear about Davidic worship? I think maybe might be good to talk about what's different about Davidic worship and the current state of worship. <laughs> I thought we were finishing the episode. Um, Davidic worship versus the current state of worship. I think it is about delighting in him. I think that current state of worship, we've delighted a lot in ourselves and what it means for us. Mm-hmm. And I think that what you've referred to there, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We've focused a lot on the desires of our heart. Mm. I think as well, uh, final encouragement I would say to people who might be feeling the ache is start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what David did. Mm-hmm. He had this desire to build the house. He couldn't see it in his day. But that he didn't put down tools and be like, well, stuff it. Mm-hmm. I can't, you know, 
do this and so I'm not going to bother with a tabernacle. Yeah. I'm not going to bother with the tent. I'm not going to uh, bother with the 4,000 musicians and uh, singers and, and so on. He, he set it all in motion. Yeah. He started with what he could um, and he made a habitation for the Lord to dwell in. So, yeah, I would just, my encouragement to people would be start somewhere. Start yeah. where you can, whether that's in your, your own personal life or with your teams yes. um, or, you know, in, in just creating a space somewhere mm-hmm. that you can um, see this ache and this longing fulfilled mm. if it's from the Lord. So. Mm, so good. So to finish up this topic of Davidic worship, I want to encourage people again around this book, David's Tabernacle by Matthew Lilly. And you should do a study. You should, Joel. Okay. You're going to because you're reading the book. Um, on what what Matthew Lilly talks about, which again I was Chuck Perry. Like, for those of you who don't know Chuck Perry, he is a general in the faith from Bethel Church, who um, leads and pioneers healing rooms, and he spends his life walking around going at how many times in a moment God blows his mind, yeah. and he carries such joy. It's beautiful. But back to Matthew Lilly, stay on track. He actually compares Psalm 27, 4 and Jesus' priestly prayer in John 17 and how David was actually using exact phrases pre-Jesus that Jesus prayed when he was on the earth. That's how much David carried the Father's heart. So go do a study on John 17, 4 and Psalm, no, I think it's 24, Song. Okay, yep. 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 <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes exactly where it is. Or find it yourself. <laughs> yeah. Go on a little Bible adventure. It's hunt. John 17 somewhere there. Yeah. Um, and Psalm 27.4. And it is a magnificent <laughs> moment because you're like, what? And actually people would say that Jesus is referencing David's psalm. Which he did time and time again. Right. Oh, David, David, David. We are going to have a good chat in heaven, I tell you. So that's it on Davidic worship. We're going to come back and we're going to talk and we're going to spend two episodes talking about another foundational principle before we move into some of the specific reformations, changes, realignment that the Lord is doing across his church right now. So next episode and the one after, we're going to talk about this eternal invitation to live face-to-face that's been there since the garden. It's there in Revelation and we're going to live it forever. It's going to be good. Can't wait. Talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed every second of it. Make sure to stay connected with Stacey by liking and subscribing. 